On today's episode, Dave interviews Mike Bunin. Mike has appeared in numerous commercials, the movie The Soloist, and on television has appeared in Mad Men and was a regular on My Boys on TBS. Mike's also a stand-up and an improviser who appears on stage at the Groundlings and I.O. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. This awesome fucking video of you uh, at the West Side comedy doing, you know, two minutes a year oh, yeah. stand-up. Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, that autistic joke is nobody fucking sees it coming. Thank you very nobody much. See, and nobody sees that coming. It's online. It's uh, Mike Bunin on YouTube. It's him at West Side Eclectic. No, that's a fucking perfect joke, dude. Thank you very much. Um, I, um, I, like most people, have a habit of, like, flipping a channel and getting caught on something that I, I despise or don't want to watch. Right. You know, but I'm you not, do. I'm not blowing the joke. No, 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 not at all. Got it. And so, but so I wrote this joke because it just was like a, my penance at first of like, of like Got it. You, you must make up for watching this show. <laughs> <laughs> but the way that you come into it is really, it's two steps away. Because you talk about documentaries. Yeah. So it's two steps away. Yes. And then because it's two steps away, and then you leap. Yes. It's it's one of these perfect jokes. You know, uh, what's another perfect? Oh, um, uh, I had uh, Dino. Do you know Dino Stamatopoulos? Uh, not personally, but yeah, but yeah. I know, yeah. So he was in here, and you've seen that, uh, you've, you've seen that sketch that was on Mr. Show called The Audition. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's a fucking perfect sketch. It's great. That's exactly right. And you look at it and you go, that's a perfect fucking sketch. Yes. yes. Do you ever, let me ask you this. Do you ever see something? Um, I'm going to move this a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Just a little bit because I'm, I'm always concerned. Absolutely. You don't mind. No, I know, no, no. I know you fucking put together. No, no. No, listen, listen. <laughs> Whatever it takes for the Great, shot, good. man. Yes. Do, do you ever see, uh, and you probably do based on this conversation, but do you ever see a sketch or a joke or something, and I, this happens to me a lot during the year, that's so good that my first reaction is, Oh yeah. Oh Why yeah. Why did yeah, I yeah. think of that? That's so. Now I can't even do anything in that vein. It's, it's done. It's killed forever because that guy fucking did it. I think. <laughs> I think your former partner in crime, Jamie Kaler, uh-huh. was here and saying the same sort of thing. Oh, about was he? Stand up. Yes. About a stand up where you go. Uh, and there was another stand up that I had that was sitting. Not that you're a stand up, because yeah. you're more of a Renaissance com- comedian guy. Oh, thank you. But you, you, uh, where somebody goes, was that my joke? Did I come up with that joke, or did I get that from somebody else? You know what I mean? Like, that's another thing where you uh, go. That's scary, fucking, yeah. That is another thing. But that, when you see, it's the old line about a bunch of stand-ups and somebody is up there and has a joke like you're, you're talking about. Right. Uh, the, the stand-ups in the back are going, fuck. They're all going, fuck. Yeah. Or this. This. Just this reaction. That's funny. Yes, that's exactly no, very clinical. Right. Very, 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 like, not much of a bedside manner, not bad news, but not good news. <laughs> it's just very clinical. <laughs> it's very, very clinical where you go, that's funny. That's really funny. As opposed to, and, and that's the ego, right? It going, is. That's the ego going, ah. But if you get one, and, and I, I've only seen that little, I've only seen that. Um, that little clip, yeah. Part, that little clip. But. I think that those of us who've been doing this for a really long time, we maybe have three at the most. Right. That's right. Yeah. Of those. And most of the time for, for I would think for you and I, it happens with a troupe and it's an improv show in the moment, so it's never going to be repeated. Right. So it's not something that you put into an act. It's that perfect moment in an improv show. Because I can think of a lot of these where you're like, ugh. 
What I love about improv is, is it's special. It's for that group of people that night in the audience. And right. If you were there, you saw it. But there have been some times where I'm like, oh, this is one where I wish I could bottle it and, and film it properly. And when you, and you go, can't. well, you've done, you've done a bunch of, um, where did I see you? What, what improv fest did I see you at? Did I see you in? Probably. Oh, in, uh, oh, um, in Texas, at Dallas. No. Did you, did you play Timmy, Tim Meadows? No. I have played with Tim, but not in da not in da not in Dallas. No. Okay. It could very well be the. Uh, it could very well be. I mean, you're so many festivals. It could very well be that you just saw me here locally in this one. It's possible. Yeah. So a lot of these places are, are starting to to record yes. what what's happening. Yes. And I just glom onto that and go, I'm, because this is that. It's like magic in a bottle and go. You fucking bottled it. And, yes. And 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 there's a couple of things reasons to do that I like watching it. One is, it's captured. Yes. Two, it's captured, man. And I can watch that and go, I'm proud of that fucking moment. That's exactly right. I'm really proud of that moment. That's right. I did that, that's all me. And I think that there are a lot of people, uh, and I don't know if you're like this, but but for me, I, I go, I get to be my own best fan. Yeah, sure, absolutely. If you get, well, listen, why not? Because chances are, you're like everybody else, you're your own worst critic, so why not get to be your best fan? Do you think you're your own worst critic? Do you think, are you critical of yourself? I, I do think I am, but to a healthy point. And what I mean by that is, I think we both know so many performers that never enjoy a show, no matter what. It's boring, man. Right, and that I can't be that guy. Mm -hmm. so, so when I've burned one on stage, um, I will... That, that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. Uh -huh. So if I've had a bad show, but I'm out at the bar and somebody in the audience comes up and says to me, I really enjoyed the show... I always remind myself to go, A, maybe it wasn't as bad as you thought it was, and B, it actually doesn't matter what you think tonight, because that guy paid. <laughs> Somebody paid to get in and then came over to you and said something. Does it matter ever? Here's the better question. <laughs> well, let's see. Does it matter ever? I feel like it has to, but I don't know if it really does. Okay, go ahead. So, so I think it has to matter because um, otherwise... It, it won't, because if it matters to you, it will show up in your very next show. Do you think you, do you ever think you're not doing the best job that you could do? Um, almost never. Oh, come on. Never. And what I mean by no, that no, I'm is. I'm not saying you. I'm saying everybody. What's everybody. It, what's it, what's it, unfortunately, what I mean by that is there are nights where I'm not good, and I feel like, unfortunately, I just, that was the best I could do. That's what I mean. Yeah, right? Okay, yeah. you're never going, I'm going to do... How could you... Because I don't think I can always be good. But I... No, right. no. But you're always... You're, you're always up there producing, doing what it is that you're doing. Right. Right? And I think... I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to go, <laughs> I'm not going to do the best job that I can do. I don't, it's not possible. No, right, exactly. And if I do think I'm not going to do the best job that I can do, which is just a ridiculous thing to even think about, how long can you hold on to that thought? Before you go, oh, this is going well, or right. I forgot that I was going to do that right. because it's such a ridiculous fucking thing to do. I usually find that when you're most unsatisfied on stage is when you're probably at the same time thinking to yourself, come on, man, I'm doing everything I can do. Right. Because at that moment, you're not in that moment. That's right. At that moment, you're in the moment of, come on, man. That's right. Do a better job. That's right. And there is, what is that? No. That no. is not, that's so, it's such a... What we do, and I think it's what, I don't want to say what we do, everybody's what entitled everybody, to hold every, on yes. to this. Yes. 
it's such an existential experience. It's the and I don't say existential in a way of going existential angst and ah, taking right. it along. It's an existential experience of going, I'm existing in this moment. Yeah. And this moment that I have is filled with this content. Do you understand? Yeah. yeah. And this content being me producing what I'm saying right the fuck now. Yeah. And that's all that fucking matters. Yeah. And to look at it and to say, that happened. There's nothing I could do with it. There's nothing I could do about it. No. There's no way I can change it. And there's no way I would change it. No, I, I really agree with that. I do. I mean, you do. You, there are. You know, you can always look back. I guess, um, and say maybe this would have been a stronger, uh, like in a long form improv show. This might have been a stronger storyline to take. Mm -hmm. But there's also no telling that you would have executed that any better than the one that you took and executed. Anyway. Right. So that's. I mean. So. So no. I mean, sometimes this is why. For me, on stage, live stage is always the best because there is no net. You know, we're not a. We're, it's not a produced improv show over at the iOS, so it's not like, uh, oh well, they didn't do well on these ten, but we'll fill. But the, these three will show on TV. Right. It's like we get one suggestion, right. one night, right. one hour, and if it eats, I got seven more days before I can come back and do it again. I, I was watching some of the clips uh, of you, and I'm I'm looking at it, and I'm, this is not meant as a disparaging thing because I'm everybody's fucking guilty of it. Sure, it's so interesting when we get a script how we are. We are not, this is not who I see. No, sure. Who I'm talking to right sure. now. Right. Uh, the stand up is not who I see. Right. There's that controlledness of yeah. that character. Yeah. And I think the people that really, really love, uh, and that's not to say that we can't do this or aren't able to do this. Yeah. The people that really love, we watch them and we go, oh, that's who that person really is. Yeah. Even though it's not. Yeah. Like, like Bill Murray. Right. Oh, he's so fucking good. He's great. I know that's such a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah, but he's one of those people that every time he performs, there's ten guys in the back of the room going, "Yeah, that's funny." Right. Or yeah, that's really good. You just like because uh, there is that weird thing of like, what? Does he have an extra gene? What is happening? Why can't I do that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw Tina Fey. Have you ever seen Tina Fey live? I never have, and I really wish I I, I have not. She blew, I've said it before on this podcast, but she blew me away. She totally, the first time I ever saw her, because I didn't know her, I mean, I might have known her, I might have known her uh, just at a party, passing at a party in Chicago. Oh, interesting. I always assumed you guys did. Chips. Hi, beautiful girl. Hi, fucker. Um, oh, I hate you so much. Um, uh, here's a little I just, I had just assumed that you, uh, you, you knew her all these years. No, 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 no. And when I first saw her on stage, I could not believe what <laughs> I could not believe. Huh, hello, sir. Uh, um, I couldn't believe how great she was. Right. She blew me away. She totally and absolutely blew me away. She, uh, do you want to go home? I'm so sorry. No, she does it. She'll do oh, okay. whatever you want to do. <laughs> um, uh, where yeah. I look at her and I go, how could that person be real right there? Right, 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 right. Um, there's probably a good handful of people that I can I, I, that I might be able to mention that when I see them on stage or the first time I saw them on stage, especially doing improv, where I'm just like, you know, there's Adrian Winter is one of oh those for me. Oh my God! And I look at Adrian. Uh, and if anybody doesn't know who Adrian Winter is, uh, he's in, he's just fantastically talented. Probably most of his credits in the last ten years are writing because he's a yeah, great writer. Yeah. But he's uh, I, the I, the first time I saw him jump on stage and do long form improv, and I'm sorry, I just cut you off. No, no, no. It this like, is, it's called ADD, so we get to go over. The oh yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, was '97, and literally two minutes into the first move he made, I leaned over to my buddy and I was like, "Who the fuck is that guy?" Because <laughs> I was so mad. I was just like, "That's not." 
That's not fair. What the fuck? That was really perfect. He's he's and he's so charming. Yes. And he's so cool and another good, well dressed guy. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and uh, and and this union with Betsy yes. is pretty crazy. Betsy Thomas, yes, uh, who Thomas. was the uh, uh, the creator, executive producer of My Boys. Yes, of My which Boys, is the show that I was on. Yes, right. yes, yes, and uh, and she's great. Yes, very much. But she's so. great in a different way. You know, she's great, and there's a strength that Betsy has, and there's there's a power, and there's also a collaboration. There's oh, the same yeah. thing that Adrian has as well. That yes. we all have. Yes, but Betsy has. Um, Hope she doesn't listen to this. Betsy has zombie apocalypse uh, command control. I really feel like if the world started to crumble and she was in the room, that the majority of the room would be like, Betsy, what should we do? <laughs> because it's just the smart choice. Right. Like, let's let Betsy make the decisions and we'll go out, we'll go out and do the grunt work, but Betsy's got to make the call. I know. I, to, to have somebody like that in your life is fucking awesome. Yes. And uh, uh, Nia Vardalis uh, is, another, is another one of those. Where Very you much go, so. What should we do right now? Yeah. What should we do right now? Yeah. And, and the... Um, because they just moved. They used to be yes, right I know. Here. Yes, I know. And they moved to the valley. Right. And when they're over here, they're like, whatever the fuck ever anything ever happens, come here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you go right. Right. And I expect everybody would be there. Right. Everybody. They, I mean, they got potato chips and beer. Yeah, exactly. And liquor. Yeah. And wine and rooms and, and beds. And Tom Hanks somewhere. <laughs> Tom Hanks <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and other people where you go, I know that guy from some show. I went to, the first time when I, when I got divorced, they, uh, Nia and Ian put me up in there. Uh, I remember. Yeah. And that was great. They put me up in their guest house. And the first party that I went to, they had a party. And uh, Jen Winters, my girlfriend at the time, we go to this party, we walk in, and there's... Um, and, and Jen goes, I'm going to go talk to somebody. I'm like, all right, great. I'm going to go get a drink. And they're, you know, it's a beautiful party. And uh, and then I hear Jen go, go over here. And she's there with Alanis Morissette and uh, you know, a glass of te- te- a bottle of tequila. It's like, let's do shots. I'm like, how did you, how did they fucking know these? And Tom Hanks is there. And uh, Pee Wee Herman's there. And right. it's like Matthew Perry's there. And you go, what's happening? You're like, is this... It's a movie, right? You guys right. are filming something and I walked in. Right. There's no way that everybody in this room just knows each other. Right. <laughs> and she's had parties where Helen Helen, uh, Helen Hunt was there and, um, uh, oh, what's his name? Pollock. Oh, Kevin Pollock. Kevin Pollock is there and we're having, a, it's game night. It's game night, I would say, and, yes. And, you know, Sean Hayes is there and it's crazy, man. It's crazy. <laughs> what's crazy is these are people. They're just people. It's it, re- it really it, that's what it, it, it's funny. That's what it comes down to. It's that this is the major industry out here, and invariably, a bunch of us are going to have been sitting across from each other in a room, either auditioning, working together, trying to work together, and then somebody's going to get a golden ticket and be whoever. But at the end of the day, it's still that guy that used to sit across from you at the fucking audition. Right. Yes. Right. It really is. It's it's really weird. It's so funny because uh, I had uh, John Gaten's was here and he wrote Flight, uh-huh. the movie Flight. Yes. And he's a friend of mine from way back when. There you go. And I saw him at, uh, a, a, a SAG had a, a screening of it uh-huh. and Denzel was there right. and everybody in the movie was there and there's a Q&A afterwards and I came up to him and said, well, did you do my podcast? He's like, great, I'll do the podcast. And we're sitting here, we're talking and he was saying how, <laughs> he was saying, yeah, I've done a lot of research uh, on flying. And I was like, yeah, why? And he said, 
because I wrote this movie called Fly. <laughs> and that's why I was like, oh, right, right, that's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> why I, bring, I totally, because I'm going, I'm having this conversation with my friend who I haven't seen in such a long time. Yes, no, I, listen, there is nothing worse than running into a good friend out here who's who's done something or in the middle of doing something that everybody but you has seen and you've known this person for an unbelievable amount of years, you're really close, and you, and you may either slip or you just know like, how do I work in at some point in time that I've never fucking seen your TV show? Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> I have known Ian Gomez since 1990-something. Right. I've never seen Cougar Town. <laughs> um, uh, well, since you're admitting it, uh, and since I also know the creator, Bill Lawrence, who's been nice enough to give me jobs over the years while playing softball with me for years, I can honestly, I can't say that I've never seen it. I can say that I watched the first commercial break one time and thought it was very good, by the way. But I don't know what it is about me. I go right to, there was probably something on Discovery about mafia history or something, and I just stopped there, and that was fine by me. <laughs> uh, is, that, is that your go-to uh, interesting thing, mafia uh, history? Any sort of... Uh, any sort of mob history, I'm going to watch those shows. Uh, crime in general, but certainly mob. And then anything that has to do with organized crime in Las Vegas, because where I grew up, right. I'm going to watch. I got to tell you, I've been, uh, I, I do this thing called Goodreads, okay. which is um, sort of a storage area for books that you've read. And, uh -huh. and it's a way for you to talk to other people who have read books and things like that. Oh, nice. And it also lists all the books. You know, if you want, you can put all the books that you've read and uh -huh. take a look at it. And I go through the list, and I, I keep a, and I, I read a lot, um, a lot. And what I realized was, I have read so many books about prohibition, and about that era. Yeah. And I've also read books about the mob, the Jewish mob, and I've read. Sure. And I just finished a book called Get Capone, uh -huh. which is a. I don't know if you've done any Capone stuff. Um, certainly, I haven't read Get Capone though. Oh my God! I mean, it's one of these things where you're going. It's just about. It's just about getting how they got Al Capone. Yes. And I'm intrigued by that. I'm totally intrigued by that era. Yes. But you've got Bugsy Siegel. Certainly. Which, by the way, and the big myth of Bugsy is, you know, he, he didn't drive to Las Vegas and have this epiphany. Right. Uh, it was Billy Wilkerson uh, who was building this hotel. I want to say Wilkerson, uh, I could be wrong, editor-in-chief of like Hollywood Reporter maybe at the time. He's building this hotel and he's running out of money. And he knows these guys from the old neighborhood and decides to borrow money. And they love the idea and they give him the money. And then they love the idea so much that it's kind of like, hey, Billy, you're out. <laughs> and then Billy basically goes to France until he gets a phone call and they're like, hey, just so you know, uh, Bugsy's dead. Oh, maybe I'll come back to the U.S. I mean, you know, I mean that's that's more along the lines of truly what happened. There's no there's no moment where he has this epiphany about right. no. It's all first of all, it's always going to be the bottom line. All rules in organized crime are based on making money. Right. I know that you're not supposed to sleep with a guy's wife and blah blah blah. But these are not because of moral and ethical reasons. These are because anything could cause the interruption of cash flow is bad. Right. That's all it is. Oh, <laughs> it's very simple. It is. It's really simple. And if you know it, then you're in. You're fine. You should just know the rules. It seems <laughs> like the phrase organized crime is such an interesting phrase when mm -hmm. you take a look at it, going, it's crime, but it's organized crime. And again, the reason it was organized is because um, keep less of a spotlight on what we're doing. If, if there are certain people that can control what goes on, then we draw less attention to ourselves. And the less attention we draw to ourselves, the more money we can make. And that's exactly what Al Capone was doing. He's yes. like, look, I'm just a guy. Yes. You know, I had nothing to do with the St. Valentine's Day massacre. I don't know why you're saying that to me. <laughs> I, you know, I'm just a businessman who's trying to make a living here. That's it. 
Keep the attention off. Exactly. That's exactly it. As opposed to what we do, which is keep the attention on. Absolutely. (laughs) What are you doing to do that? Uh, You know, the older I get, and not that I'm ancient yet, but, but, but when I walk through the bar at the I.O. and see these young 20-somethings that really want it, I think, like, oof, go get it. In fact, it was, in fact, in fact, just a quick side note, Ian Gomez and I, uh, about five, six years ago, were in there, and they have a jam going on. Anybody can jump up. And I'm like, let's jump up and do a, uh, take a suggestion and do a scene. He's like, great. And we walk in, and there is the youngest group of people on stage having, they're doing a musical sketch, you know, improv, and they're having the moment of their lives. It's one of those moments we talked about. I mean, it was fantastic. I'm clapping, and, I, and uh, the MC sees me. He's about to call up, and I turn, and, and Ian's walking out. And I give the, hold on one second, and I walk to the bar, and I go, where are you going? He goes, fuck that. They want it too much. I don't want it that much anymore. <laughs> right? I mean, I was just like, wow, that's really sort of, I get it. That's, I understand. But is it about wanting it, or is it just about doing it? I think it's about doing it, but I understood sort of the, like, you know, I think it was in the mindset of, like, oh, yeah, we can do, uh, we'll jump on stage and do five minutes real quick. And then right. saw, like, people that didn't just jump on stage that just wanted to get up and that might be their only time ever on stage and if it is it has to be that moment and it was right and i just we just went to the bar and drank <laughs> oh my god oh my god i totally understand that i understand everything about that i understand the people that you're on stage with i also stand understand like coming into that and going what would i do that right. would help this at all or how can i no. why can't i just but it's also you, you know when you when you go to if you if, if you're on a bowling team yeah and you go come on over we just stop for a beer right and you look at it and you go i wouldn't mind bowling right now right that's right but that's i'm right. not there to bowl no that's right no that's exactly right but you're or you're there to bowl but then you know then there's some young fucking earl anthony up there rolling 290 and you're like hey <laughs> you pulled earl anthony out of your ass I that, did was pull really anthony. Good. that was really <laughs> good that was really good right now a bunch of people are going get to google get to google get earl to anthony google. The Google. <laughs> I lived across the street from a bowling alley when I was a kid, uh, and my folks took advantage of it. Yeah. I mean, we lived right. I loved it. We lived fucking right across the street. When you were in Vegas, where did you where did you live in Vegas? I lived um, always on the east side of the Strip. That's mm-hmm. a, I'm I'm an you know it's funny in Vegas that um, you're either east or west of the Strip. Mm-hmm. You can, right. North and south too now, but right but, or south I should say now, but you are either east or west of the Strip. West of the Strip is very nice and very new. Right. It just didn't exist when I was growing up. I didn't give a shit about West of the Strip. And, and, and now people west of the Strip probably don't care about east of the Strip. They think we're the old junky neighborhood. But right. I think we have character. But uh, I lived east of the Strip, and we bowled every weekend at Samstown in the bowling alley. My grandmother and grandfather lived two blocks away from Samstown. Did, okay. <laughs> they moved. They used to live in Inglewood. And they found, in the late 60s, they lived in Inglewood. And I lived out here in 64. Or 65, we moved out here for a year. And my grandfather and his wife lived in Inglewood and they found themselves going to, to Vegas to play Keno uh-huh, every yeah, fucking sure. weekend. And they're like, fuck it, let's just go. So let's move. So they moved, they bought a double wide and they lived at Lamb and uh, exactly, they lived, exactly they lived right over there. There used to be a huge uh, movie theater. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And, uh, and they, they live over there and she, got, she was a nurse and had, worked at the Sunset Hospital. Sunrise. Sunrise Hospital. Yes. Was it always called Sunrise? Uh, as far as I remember it, okay, yes. Fine. Because I remember that certain nurses were gambling on who was going to die. It was a big scandal. Right. It was she a big was there scandal. At that time. Because then, like most 
other things, you're like, well, if I'm stuck 3,000 and I got a bet that this lady's going to die by 8 o'clock and it's 7.30, am I helping it out? Where are we at here? You know, I mean, if I'm coaching right. the game, you know, maybe, it goes, maybe it's time for a trick play. I think it goes back to organized crime. It, it's all, the bottom line is money. But I lived as a kid for a few years. There was Samstown and the Nevada Palace right next to it. Right. Bad neighborhood at the time. Right. I lived behind Nevada Palace off of Jimmy Durante Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why we would walk over consistently at night with my older brothers and bowl. I, I, I bowled, I don't know, 10, 10 times at Samstown? It's a great bowling alley. Yeah. I bowled there last Christmas. I fucking love bowling. Yes. I, one day I said, uh, uh, and it's this thing about manifestation. It's one of these, I, I'm a king fucking manifester. And uh, I was at, I was at Second City, and we'd go out bowling. There's rock and roll bowl by the river. And it was just awesome. And we'd go bowling at bowling parties. Mm-hmm. And um, I once said, I want to get a bowling ball. I'm going to get a bowling ball. So I went to a resale shop. My favorite song, my favorite piece of music is Rhapsody in Blue. Okay. I'm going to tell you that straight up. Okay. I go to a bowling bag. I open up the bowling bag. There's a blue bowling ball. On the bowling ball, it says Rhapsody in Blue. It's my size. And then there are a pair of white shoes, <laughs> size seven and a half. I'm gonna get it. Right I got. I got to go. And two dollars for the ball. Two dollars. Two dollars for the ball and the shoes. I, I gotta fucking show it to you. All right. Look, I'm not kidding. No, I'm not. I'm not fucking kidding. Look at this. Okay. I'm gonna put this on. Yeah. Like Everybody that. should fucking hear this. Story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Look. Fantastic. And look at these shoes, man. And look, there's. Like, like, fantastic. Right? It says Rhapsody in Blue. I don't, you know, I'm not normally a sucker for these. It was meant to be stories. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how this wasn't. Though. <laughs> I mean, I mean everything because it's everything I know about you. It says this. The white shoes are sort of what's. And look at the shoes that we I brought up. That's what I'm saying. That's what's putting it over the top for me. It's like a magic trick. It's a well-played magic trick, it is, my friend. Pop it in there. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? How long have you had the ball, just out of curiosity now? I've had that, well, it was bought used. Right. And I had the ball 93, 94. Uh, I, because I still, I, I still have my hammer from 1986. When you can find anything that brings you such joy and that fucking doesn't matter. Yeah. Like bowling. Yes. Keep doing it. Yes. Absolutely. Especially because, like... Like 86 when I bought it for this league and I was I was rolling pretty good at the time so I was like I, I think I you know in my mind I, back then especially I had to justify you know like if I'm gonna buy something I gotta justify because I got no right. money right so like now you turn around and it's like well yes over the years I could have bought another bowling ball but why but I had to earn that ball and I'm fucking keeping it <laughs> How, do you bowl now um, I haven't in the last. I, I have, excuse me, in the last three months, for, and I'm. And you I'm, have. Yeah. What's and your I, what like? What's your what's your average? Now I, I don't know. I probably roll a 140 when I play. I now. will fucking bowl with you any time. But uh, they got mad at me last time because I because I was rolling like a couple of 140s and told them I hadn't bowled in a while, and then they wanted to gamble, and I said, well, and I actually said, let's not gamble, and then they gave me shit. Well, you're the biggest. You don't want to gamble, and I rolled 202. And they, they accused me of hustling, but I really, truly wasn't. I didn't think I was capable of getting that number again. Right. So I did not, in a sense, hustle. It's just that if you put 
any amount on it. It could be a dollar or a hundred dollars. Something will click, and if I have a talent for something, I'm going to find it again, and I'm going to bolt that. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in a pool hall and a bowling alley. These are the places I grew up in. Don't fuck with you. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it's like I'm, look, I, I grew up in these places. I understand what it takes to win. I also understand that if I lose, I can live with it because I believe I probably had the best, the best shot to win. What does that mean? Um, if I'm going to gamble on anything, uh-huh. it's not about being um, better than the other person. Like, for example, in the pool hall, everybody that I used to beat out of money in the pool hall mm-hmm. was probably a better pool player than me. Uh-huh. But I could adjust the game. I could make a handicap just right. Uh, sometimes you could live off of some folklore because they heard you beat somebody else and blah, blah, blah. Right. And I could get in there, and if I could get ahead and get a little weakness, I just was like, that's it, I've got you. You're mine. Now you're mine. Now you're buying me dinner or paying my rent. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever have a gambling problem? No. No, you know, it, it's funny. The, <clears throat> I I've certainly grew up around it, and I've been playing poker since I'm 19. Mm-hmm. Which do you still play? I do. That 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 like like pool and and bowling went by by wayside years ago. Who do you play ago. with? Kevin Pollock actually has a game. Oddly yeah. Enough that I play weekly and for years I've been playing with Kevin for about a decade now. Right. Uh, and then there's another a few other little private games in town that I go to. I used to go every Wednesday. We'd have Mania and yes. Uh, Nicole Sullivan. I want to say maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe Nicole was there, but also it was Nia and. Um, Brad Sherwood. Yes. And um, there's a bunch of people. Yeah. And it was bowling night. Yes. And then it stopped being bowling night. It turned and to people went, night. I can't. The original was Betsy Thomas, who we mentioned earlier, because that's the basis for the show My Boys that right. she created. I mean, it was her poker game that we played in for 10 years, you know. And then, then I don't want to complain because I was on the show, but the fucking show killed the poker game for a few years. Though. <laughs> Everybody was too busy. Right, but you had but you had TV money to play. Yes, but I, mean, I guess I whatever. I guess I was working. Whatever. Right, right. So you're going back. So so the yeah. the, 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 the the gambling. I asked you. If yeah. So you 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 grow up around it, and you, it's like anything else that you could have a problem with. If you're the type of personality that's going to have a problem with anything, uh, you don't need to be in Las Vegas, in other words, to have a gambling problem. Right. You don't need to be in a skeevy area of town to have a drug problem. You mm-hmm. can find these things. For me, I'm knock wood, uh, I enjoy winning money more than I enjoy the actual gambling. Right. So everything has always been a, man, uh, uh, you, you know what your total bankroll is, and you have to manage your bankroll. Right. Like if you're playing poker, like by freshman, sophomore year of college, that's how I would make money to survive. And I only had to make, I lived down the street with my parents because I went to UNLV. So I didn't have to make that much. I could make 100, 120 a day and be just fine. So at uh, a private game or at I would a, go to Bally's at the uh-huh. time and play uh, one to four stud quarter bringing on the low card and play with Red Fox about four nights a week. And it was hilarious. And I'd pick up my hundred bucks a week. It was just a great little four or five hours. How is Red Fox as a loser? Great. Because he's hilarious. He was honestly, he was a genuinely nice, funny person. Mm-hmm. Um, Red Fox was playing low stakes poker while playing maybe 100 Kino tickets per game. He had his own private runner. He would come in the poker room, literally like in a green velvet three-piece suit with riding boots on. He would sit down. They would pull a bottle of Cravassier out of the drawer, bring it to him. A Kino runner would be his own private runner, come over with 100 cards. They would know his numbers for all the cards. They'd run him, and he'd play low-stakes poker. He would crack jokes. He almost never won at poker. Um, even when he was miserable about losing at poker, 
he was funny about it, so he never made you feel bad about it. But he started to, I would make bets, and eventually he started to just look at me and say, mm-hmm. You know, he would just sort of, like, you know, and then I like, I like, like, I remember my brother played with him too. Like, my brother's like, hey, I ran into Red Fox at the mall today. I was like, oh, do you recognize you? He goes, he goes, yeah, he turned to his buddy. He goes, there's that motherfucker that knows how to play. <laughs> and so, you know, it's just like, he's like, you know, so he was sharp enough to know, like, I can't be in certain hands with certain guys. Did, <laughs> did you ever see him, his, his, uh, I never, set? I never went and saw his set at the house. Did Hacienda. you go to anybody's set? Uh, yes, I've certainly seen uh, certainly seen plenty. I mean, I've seen Rickles years ago. Right, I saw Rickles open for Sinatra at the United Center. Oh, that's fantastic. it's one of those things where you go. That's it. I fucking can't believe that's it. That's it. It's fantastic. Right. It's one of those things where you're like, I'm here for this. I have seen some shows that I look at and I go, I can't fucking believe it. I saw my first concert was George Harrison. Nice. And I've seen Led Zeppelin at the Chicago Stadium. Uh, it was I saw like, Page I, and Plant. I never got to see that. Oh my God! I know. And then I saw uh, I saw Cat Stevens live. Ooh. I saw Jethro Tull live. Oh, I saw. Nice. And you go, wow, wow, wow. Yes. But, but but when you get to see Rickles in his environment, that yes. fucking environment. Yes. It's a, it's 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 just like seeing a wild animal in the right environment in a sense i mean like in other words you know if you see a tiger in a cage at the zoo it's one thing but if you see one out in the wild it's much different <laughs> you know what i mean if you see rickles on stage in vegas it's in the wild man it I, just is i went to see uh for some reason i was in i was at the uh, uh aspen comedy festival is that what it's called I, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm spacing out and um john landis had done was it john landis had done the rickles movie yes. the documentary oh yes yes yeah mr wonderful right exactly yes. and he was there and rickles was there yeah and bob newhart bob newhart was, was there. there i'm was portier we, there i'm curious i just i'm just picking all the people that i know would be there from the sydney portier no sydney okay. portier was not there okay it was just those three guys talking fantastic and what i realized was rickles is rocks man i mean he should have his face on any fucking hilarious Mount Rushmore. That's right. You know, just like be up there because he, he, Phyllis Diller. Yes. Um, let's see. Uh, like all these old guys. Uh, Jack Carter. I worked with Jack Carter last year. I fucking love Jack Carter. So go, sorry, go ahead. No, but, just, but no. the thing is like, like yeah. who knows these fuckers anymore? No, 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 no. Well, certainly Phyllis Diller, of course. Yeah. Rickles. But Jack Carter? No, that's right. That's exactly right. No. There's so many guys that are... Uh, it's it's what it is. There are so many that, that nobody thought they were starters because they're all compared to the greats. But it's like, no, are you kidding? This guy starts for any team he's on. That's right. what he is. He headlines anywhere anywhere he goes. Tom Dreesen is a guy who's been headlining and opening for Tom Dreesen was my first guest. Are you serious? Tom Dreesen was my first. <laughs> I did not know that. That's yeah. fucking hilarious. Opened for Sinatra for 14 years. For what, I met, I met he's Tom, my, first, my first podcast guest. I met Tom Dreesen when I was 12 years old at the San Gennaro Feast. Of course La- you did. In Las Vegas. Of course you and did. And I was 12 and I was like, that's fucking that's Tom Dreesen. I have to go talk to him. Right. You know. And nicest man on the fucking planet. Unbelievably nice. Unbelievably nice. And and what he's done, what, what so was, he had, what was his partner, the black guy? Uh, uh, he was writing, he was uh, 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 yes. from, I want to say Love Boat, but no, KRP in Cincinnati. Uh, Tim, not Tim Reed. Uh, yeah. Yes. 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 That's right. Starting out together, those yes. two guys. Yes. That, which is, not, which, that's that's what we talked about before. The person across from you is just the guy that you've known forever. 
I mean, if you just think, if somebody says, what did Tim Dreesen, uh, I mean, Tom Dreesen and Tim Reed have in common, you might just say they both were successful. You wouldn't think that they were together. Right. Now, At a time where you didn't, you didn't pair up with somebody who wasn't your race. No, that's, oh, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. No, that's exactly right. Inve- can I, do I have time to yeah. tell? Yeah, no, we, got, we yeah. got plenty of time. Okay, so as a kid, when I first moved to Vegas at 12, uh, it's late night, and uh, my brother Joe's like, uh, we're just bored, you know, we're just new kids in town, whatever, we've been there about six, seven months at this point. He's like, come on, let's go, uh, let's go to Caesars, because the telethon was there, the Jerry Lewis telethon. So we go to Caesars at about one in the morning. And you could just do that. You could just do it. We go to Caesars at one in the morning, you know, I'm 13, maybe. Watch the telethon? And, and we wait in line. Uh-huh. And it's like, well, we're going to get it at 3 in the morning. Who are we going to see at 3 in the morning? So we get in. Um, and Jerry Lewis is, of course, there. And I'm just, I mean, you know, you know, I love Jerry Lewis. How old are you? I'm 43. Uh-huh. So I'm in line. At the time, I'm thir- 13. Right, right, right. 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 So uh, McMahon, McMahon is there yelling timpani and I mean, say, timpani. Yeah, you know, let's, you know, can we get a count? And then Jerry Lewis, timpani, timpani, everybody, I just love it. So I walk in, it's three in the morning, uh, Lola Falana comes out and you're just like, oh, here we go. This is, this is getting, <laughs> like, I'm in now. Like I didn't expect, I was expecting all the local acts. Like I'm like, exactly. this is better. Yeah. Um, um, Charo comes out, um, and sings, uh, well, Coochie, I should coochie, say this. Coochie. Sammy Davis Jr. was the closer. But no. I, let, me, let me jump ahead because I'm going to go back to Charo. Sammy Davis Jr. comes out after, you know, getting off stage at the Frontier, probably blowing 30000 at the crab table. He looks fucking pristine. He is as jive as ever. I mean, he could not be more Greatest cool. dressed fucker in the world. Comes out, boom, belts out, what kind of fool am I? Tie undone with a scotch. I mean, and it was at that moment that I was like, this will forever be the coolest human being for me always. And I'm still a giant, I'm a giant same as you. But Charo comes out at one point and sings Islands in the Stream and pulls me out of the audience to Shut dance the with fuck her. Up. Oh, yeah, so swear to God. And so Is that somewhere? Um I you know I talked to somebody who worked for MDA years ago at a party and they were like and I joked and I said, you know, this year I'm gonna call and say I'll give a thousand dollar donation if you can find this clip. Right. And um she joked and she's like, that's it, you know, she's like, there's so many clips, obviously, but she's like, it might be able to, something, that might be something we can find over there. And I never followed up. I'd like to follow up and try and Dude. find it. Every once in a while, I YouTube Charo at the at Jerry Lewis Telethon, but I never, but that one never comes up. Oh, man. <laughs> but I'm like, I gotta try and find oh, it. Oh, man. I gotta try and find it. But that was my introduction to, this is the city I've just moved to. Right. And, you know, go on from there to just the great lounge acts I've seen, the stand-ups. The, you just, you do grow up sort of around that, and you sometimes take for granted. Right. You know, but listen, I'm a Vegas kid. I stood on the corner, on the four corners, when Sinatra died, and I drank a Jack Rocks and watched them turn the lights off on the strip, which they've done now, I want to say, maybe four times in history. So, started, it started with Kennedy. They just don't turn the lights off ever. Who did they? Who were the other ones that they turned lights on? Kennedy, uh, Dean Martin, and, and Sammy. I want to say were, were the others, and then Sinatra, of course. But they, but uh, you know, to the lights. You know, like the joke used to be like we could be under, we could be at war, we could be under nuclear attack. The lights will not go off on the strip. There are so many different backups. The lights are never going to go off on the strip. Like right. that's what's important. Right. Um, and by the way, 
light bulbs. Go back to organized crime. I know a guy one time who cut a deal to do light bulbs for a hotel, and he got a, instantly a phone call explaining to him that there was going to be an issue if he sold light because light bulbs are locked up. Okay, light bulbs are locked up. All right, that is not. Who would think this that? This is not a Home Depot contract, man. Where I was, at, I was at the, uh, I was at the laundromat yesterday, and I was thinking laundromat. I mean, that's the place. To, that's the fucking perfect place to launder money oh. at a laundromat. Listen, I know some guys who've owned some laundromats in their times, and and it used to be, especially in the '80s and '90s, it was like, what are you doing? It's just like I'm going to pick up 75 bags of quarters. That's what I'm doing. It's like, ugh. That's a, all right, I get it. I get it. A, Talk I'm, about getting your hands dirty. You just go that, right through there. Uh, uh, boy, oh boy, just looking at, at those stories and, and the idea of there was somebody named Sammy Davis Jr. You know what I mean? Right, that's right. That's right. You know, I'm a huge nerd for Sammy Davis Jr. I love the Rat Pack. I, it, you know, it is, it's just, it's who I am. I love Vegas. I love all that. But <clears throat> hands down, there was nobody more talented in that group than Sammy Davis Jr. Right. When Sammy lost his eye in a car accident, the story goes that he hadn't performed in forever. He had the eye patch on, unbelievably nervous and shy about getting on stage, and he shows up at the club. What a fucking handsome man with a fucking eye patch at, on. Well, listen, if anybody could pull it off, if anybody, if I had an eye patch, I'd have to become a pirate. That's the only thing that could justify it. If you're Sammy Davis Jr., you see Sammy with an eye patch, and you're like, you know, I wonder if I could pull off an eye patch. That's really... <laughs> Why am I not wearing an iPad? That's unbelievably cool. So Wait, you, again, going back to the idea of going, that poor fucker, instead of going, that poor fucker, you go, maybe I, I, can maybe pull I could do that. I wonder if I could do that. <laughs> Sammy shows up apparently at the Copa and says, I just want to, let me go on first. Mm -hmm. I want to do a few songs and just to break, you know, just to break the uh, mold, to break the ice, so to speak. I haven't been, I get the ring rust off. And they're like, great. He walks out, he sings two songs. He does three impressions. He dances. He plays trumpet on one. He plays drums on another. Does two more impressions. Does three more songs. Tap dances and gets off stage. The rest of the night told the club, we're not fucking going on. That's it. Nobody can follow that. We're done. The whole night was canceled after he walked on. <laughs> it goes back to that idea of you saying, or one saying, I, I, I hope I can do the best job that I can do. That's right. And he... Thought I don't think I could do the best job that I can do. Right, and then immediately forgot that he thought. That. Immediately forgot that he was wearing an eye patch or whatever, right. or maybe it propelled him to be at his best. You know, sometimes an injured player on the field oh. plays better when they have a little injury. Right, whatever it may be. But yeah, the rest of the night was just like, are you fucking kidding? Right, he is. <laughs> but that goes back. That goes to this: the idea of you. You can't stop your spirit, man. You no. fucking can't stop your spirit. No, you can't. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. I mean, that, I, and I like to, I like to use, the, to think of myself that that was Sammy Davis Jr. on a bad night. Right, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. To be, I was at, I was at the improv, and I think, I'm, I, don't, I think I've told this story before. I was at the improv when, because we had Second City was right next door to the improv. Uh, and I was the artistic director of Second City over there, and I would just slide in the improv on Melrose and, yes. and, and watch some sets. Yes. And I'm there one night, and it was when Chappelle had quit that, yeah. what, $55 million deal? Yeah. And then he disappeared. Yeah. I'm at the bar, and the bartender says, Chappelle just phoned in. He's coming back from the airport. He's going to come here. Wow. And I sat, and it was like, I sat there. He came in. He said, I'm not doing anything other than answering questions. Wow. He had just got the fuck back from Africa, I think he went to yes. South Africa. And he just answered questions. And I'm looking at thinking, 
how often does something like this happen? You know what I mean? No, like, obviously, there's no question. There's no, no answer to that question. No, I mean, but the idea of going, I am part of this. That's the night. That's right. To be there that the night that that and, and you know how many uh, how many people said that they were there the night that Sammy you know questioned what right. it was that he was doing. Right. But to say this is something special. Yeah. And for you to go, this is the I'm being pulled up on stage yes. by Charo. Yes. And this is happening right now. Yes, that's right. It's funny, and I don't know what's... This is an interesting side note. That's what television used to be. Now there's so many channels, so many things happening. I don't know, but television used to even have those moments where I was I was watching the TV win whatever it may be. Right. You know, win on the telethon, when, when Jerry Lewis got uh, Dean Martin and, Fra and Frank Sinatra. Or, I mean, when Frank brought Dean out to get, get him back with Jerry. Right. Like, I wonder right. if in the future there, there will be these big monumental television moments anymore or if everything is just so saturated. Well, I, 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 wasn't, I never watched Breaking Bad. Uh, right. I never, yeah, I never watched Breaking Bad. Okay. Um, I did watch The Sopranos. Okay. So those two endings yes. there, I yes. remember. I mean, certainly, I was. I didn't watch Breaking Bad, so I didn't see the last episode. Yes, but still. But I remember where I was when I, the last Sopranos was uh, on. Yes, and sure. to watch that and to go, you know, spoiler alert, right? And to go, there's what? That's the ending? <laughs> what the fuck? And I remember sitting with people going, something grand just happened. Yes. Right. That's right. And I think I think that it, it's there for for sporting events. It's always going to be there for sporting events. Yes, yes. It's got to be. Yes. And why is that? Why is it that it's there for sporting events? Because you're watching something that will never happen again. That's right. In that's exactly, that way. In that way. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, uh, um, and I've talked too much about Sammy, but, but, no. but his... They do a farewell sort of tribute to him when, it's, when, he's pretty, when everybody's pretty sure that he doesn't have but months to live. And... Uh, uh, Gregory Hines, who I loved, comes out on stage to pay tribute, but makes Sammy get up, and you can tell that it's not rehearsed. They, he, that uh, she, his wife, brought his shoes for him. He doesn't want to get up. He's frail. I mean, he was a small man anyway. So imagine when I say he's frail, but he gets up and has a little dance off with Gregory Hines that could not end uh, any better. And once again, by the way, you're looking at this guy who's supposed to be not alive at this moment, maybe going to die in the next few months, and you're like, how good is he right now? You can't stop the spirit. How good is he right now? How good is he right now? Yeah. I saw, when I saw Sinatra, it was like, I think that I think he died within a year. Mm -hmm. But you go, that's motherfucking Frank Sinatra. Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. good is he right now? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know, I, in Vegas, we often discuss, like, who are the next... What's the next? You know, for years it was thought Harry Connick Jr. would be the next headliner because he fit that sort of old school realm. But it wasn't to be. I don't know if he didn't want to because, I mean, he's a fantastic musician. Right. Uh, and singer. Right. But, but it just didn't work. But now you have all these guys doing residencies are the big thing. Right. I mean, now you turn around and Prince has a show. Elton John. Elton John. Right. And, you know, so and that's it's, it's funny that I don't think anybody 20, 30 years ago would have said, no, these are going to be the guys. Right. But now those are the headliners in Vegas because we are now the people going to the showroom. Right. That helps a little bit. But now even, I'll go you one farther, even like Motley Crue turns around and has a six-month headline. And you think Motley Crue in Vegas. And then all you hear is uh, sold out every night. Right. Every night. Right. And you're just like, well, of course. i got to tell you, Justin Timberlake's going to be at uh, the, the Forum. He's a throwback, in my opinion. 
I he's and I look yeah. and I go, I he's, don't really know much about him. No, but, but he's I, that I'm guy. I'm gonna go. I would go see that show. He's that guy. I think you can guarantee that he's unbelievably talented and can do it all, and you're gonna see him do it all. I've only heard good things about that. Yeah, guy. and I don't, and I couldn't tell you five probably songs right off the top of my no, head. No, no, no. I know that every sexy time, sexy back. I was gonna say yes, sexy. exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I say I know that every time I see a video or see him perform, I think, dick. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's end there. All right. That's really good. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. That's awesome. Today's episode was sponsored by GoDaddy. Thinking about starting a new website? GoDaddy is offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. Go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code Comedy at checkout or click on the GoDaddy banner on our website, ADDcomedy.com. Hello, ADD Comedy Podcast listeners. Dave Rozowski here. First off, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And second off, if you've ever wanted to take a class with me but thought, gosh, I don't think I'll ever be around where David is, know that you can now take the virtual class at iActing. Just check our website out, and there's a link there. Click on that link, and that will set you up. you got to do a little hunting, but I think that it's well worth it. We'll hear you in your ears. Bye. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rozowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrozowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.